0: Welcome to another quarantine edition of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm Kev, that's RLJ, and we are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution, where evolution is revolution. Back at it again, Brother J, man.
1: Yes, sir. Once again, once I, you again, know, man, e- even in this, in the midst of everything that's going on, I still consider it a blessing to be here, um, despite the. Uh, the shutdown or the locked-in motif that has taken place um, because there's there's several that didn't have that opportunity. And so this past week, I um, it was a trying week. This week was a trying, trying week. Um, but I was still able to shift my focus and, and to have, like, an attitude of gratitude.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, man, that's, that's what I'm focusing on. And, you know, this is May, and it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And just making sure that I am staying in tune with my mental wellness, Um, not just for this month alone, but, you know, this month puts some things into perspective so I can zero in on the things that I need to work on so that I can be mentally well um, and fully present in um, the places and spaces that I take up. How was Mm -hmm. the week for you?
0: Man, you know, this was really one of the first weeks that I've had since um, the stay, in, stay at home has been in place where I wasn't going like back to back meetings all damn day, man. You know what I mean? Um, and so I was able to have like some breaks during the day mm-hmm. and I didn't feel guilty about not having to fill those breaks with stuff that I considered I needed to be doing. It was one day, it was one day, man. My day wrapped up at 2.30 and I uh, I caught up on first take and I caught up on uh, some of my shows, man. And I sat on my couch and I said, I could be doing something. But I said, nah, I'm good. Mm. And I was okay with that.
1: That's that's good.
0: That's good. I was okay with that, man. I was okay with that. So this week has been um, a week where I've, I've been trying to uh, – kind of declutter my mind just because I had been going literally, uh, zero to a hundred the last two months, mm-hmm. you know, with work and, um, you know, dealing with some personal challenges and some other things. And so, uh, it just gave me time to really just say, you know what, I'm a, I'm gonna go brain dead for right now. And I don't care about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to think <laughs> I'm not going to think. And so that's been helpful, man. But then, you know, you have stuff like, uh, that, you know, they got another verses coming out, brother Jay. They got another verses, man. They, they, they got the queens coming out, man. The queens coming out. You got you got Jilly from Philly and and, and uh and, and Miss Badu, man. And all, all I'm gonna say is, brother Jay, that that verses can go one of two ways. It's either gonna be really, really good or it's gonna go all the way left. Like Erica Badu, she gonna come out that joint with like a karate gi. And a hat and a hat, like looking like the the man in the yellow hat from Curious George. And Jilly from Philly. Jilly from Philly, she gonna break out like 20 composition notebooks from 20 years ago and gonna be reading us poems and shit that we don't wanna hear. Like that joint gonna go one of two ways, man. It's gonna be really good or it's gonna go all the way left. Like they not gonna show up on time, or then they they they'll show up on time, but somehow Lauren Hill gonna pop up. Just because she, she was at the wrong event. Like, yo, it's gonna be <laughs> So that was good news. That was good news that I got this week, Brother Jay. However, yeah. I'm I'm trying to manage my own expectations based on previous experiences with the versus situation.
1: That's fair. I I'm, I'm I'm gonna remain optimistic. I'm not gonna release anything into the atmosphere. Um I'm gonna I I'm gonna be tuned in and I'm I'm praying it. They give us what we want. I pray they give us what we need, Um, and I also pray that it inspires some other people to come out man. of their um, their cabins and give us give us some give us something for the people, bro. And mo-
0: Mother's Day weekend, man, you got two queen mothers. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it's that's, gonna be man, heavy. That man, that's gonna be heavy right there, man. But I, I will say this, brother J. They need to they need to just play the hits. You play the hits, man. Like, don't nobody want to hear a whole bunch of bus Stuff. boys and poets and shit, man. And, <laughs>
1: bus and, boys and, and poets.
0: And, and <laughs> Erica Badu gonna have her chakras and sage burning and her her scented incense. <laughs> like, yo. Yeah. Like, yo. I'm telling you, it's like they they got too many X factors. But I'm 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 hoping for the best.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: hoping for the best, man. <laughs>
1: That's I'm hoping for
0: the best. Cause they got some, they got some hits on them, but outside of that, man, you know, the week has been the week, but like you said today, uh, as, as we celebrate, uh, mental, mental health awareness month, man. Um, I think one of our, uh, one of our probably most impactful shows, um, that we did when we started the podcast was, uh, the, the not all wounds are visible show. And I think mm-hmm. we really, we really set, uh, some guidelines around, you know, just how to be expressive when when talking about mental health and mental illness. And so, um, in that same vein, man, you know, we 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 gonna, we gonna talk about uh, trauma today because I I do believe like during this quarantine, people are trying to manage uh, situations, but they haven't managed the trauma that has kind of followed them. And so now you're in isolation, you stuck in the house, and you know, it's no telling where your mind will take you. You know what I mean. And so right. I, I thought it would be good for us to uh, at least address the topic, and then hopefully give uh, give our listeners some tools that they can leverage and, and utilize uh, to just cope during this process, man. Because you know we don't really have the same access uh, to you know mental health professionals and, and healthcare professionals with all that's going on. And so I really do hope that. Uh, people can um, be proactive and, and seek out tools that they can leverage until they can get in front of someone if that's required. You know,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, we touched upon this on um, a few episodes, but um, getting to the point to where we we recognize that we have to unlearn some things. Um, and I think some of those things we learn through traumatic experiences and really just diving into the concept of, you know, a lot of people are still trying to identify what, what is, what is trauma? Yeah. Um, and different people will have different perceptions of it, but I think overall, the definition that um, that I jotted down that has been a working definition for me in my work has been um, damage to the mind that occurs as a result of a distressing event. Right. And so no need to really like give a full out definition because that could that can mean a lot. But I also think it means that it's I would say that it's the result of an overwhelming um, wave of emotions or, a overwhel- or an overwhelming amount of stress that one endures and the stress isn't properly handled. And so it manifests as ways into different aspects and areas of our lives. And if we don't, uh, if if it's, trauma is trauma and stress they are they are things that need to be treated and if they don't get properly treated they can transform into to more severe issues
0: yeah but based on your definition man that could be so many things it could be you know trauma could trauma could really be created from i don't know it's like beauty is in the eye of the beholder Trauma is also in the eye of the beholder, you know, and I think what we need to be cognizant of is that, you know, my trauma can look different than your trauma.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone's trauma. I mean, there is no cookie cutter. Um, And so I left that I left the working definition of trauma. I left it in a vague state because Mm. um a lot of individuals go through and they try to identify, you know, oh, this is trauma. Okay, yes. But it could also be this. It's like, oh, I didn't really think about this, right? And it's anything that causes an overwhelming amount of stress to take place. And um you know, with the title of the the title of the show, uh training wheels and trauma, childhood trauma more specifically. Yeah. Um that has manifested its way into our mental and our daily routines to where it is now impacting us as adults because it wasn't properly handled, managed, or treated as child, as children. Um, and the effects that the trauma can have, not just on the self, it could have um, effects on relationships. It can have um, effects on how we do what we do, right? If you're a teacher, it could have an effect on your pedagogy. If you're a parent, it can have huge impact on how you raise your children. Um, if you're in a relationship, it can have huge impact on how you communicate, show love, receive love, acknowledge love, um, in that relationship. Trauma can manifest itself into different aspects of our lives. And if we are not careful, could also damage those same aspects of our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. I think part of it too, brother Jay, like the the first, you know, you think about when you, when you're trying to learn how to ride a bike, right. Mm -hmm. And you need training wheels. Mm -hmm. Um, The training wheels are designed to help you balance the weight on the bike so that you can feel comfortable keeping your body centered on the bike and you're not leaning too far left or too far right. The training wheels keep you upright and balanced. And for me, I think addressing trauma, using that same analogy, um, the part of the training wheels that are important is acknowledging your feelings. Mm. Like you have to acknowledge that you're feeling something. Mm. You might not know what it is, but you, you have to accept that, yo, I'm feeling, I'm feeling within this environment and these feelings are, are building emotions that are then impacting and influencing my actions and my decisions. You know, you can't really say you can't really address the action first whether you know if it's alcoholism or you know using drugs or you overindulge in, in certain facets of your life mm-hmm. like that's a symptom that's not the that's not the root cause
1: yes fact right
0: and so when you think about it as far as um trying to develop some tools to to balance and deal with trauma like you have to acknowledge that it's there Facts. And I think I just think with with black men, with us, like we we'll ignore the hell out of that shit. <laughs> we'll ignore it. We'll we will ignore it, but our actions tell another story. Like well, we, th- we we think we're ignoring it and like you know sweeping it under the rug, but our actions and like mentality tells another story. Well, and
1: so I'm a I'm a push a little bit and say it's impossible for us as humans to ignore anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We cannot. Give energy to it, but even if the thoughts are still there, we can't ignore it. We can choose not to look at something that we see on the TV, but that doesn't mean we're ignoring it right because it's it's still there because we are putting in the energy and the effort to avoid or what quote unquote ignore right. I see something on the TV. I don't want to watch it. Now I am looking at something else, which has caused me to put energy and effort into something else to distract my attention. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm not like, I know that it's there. And so just because I'm not looking at the TV doesn't mean I'm not listening to the TV gotcha. or um, maybe not listening, but I can recognize the audible noise or the sound that's coming from the TV. So I'll, I, I always challenge my clients when they say, yeah, it's easy to ignore. And I was like, mm, no, you're just choosing not to respond. Mm-hmm. But we internalize a lot of that. And I, w- I also will say that it, it may not be that we as Black men aren't acknowledging it. It may be we don't know how to identify whatever it is. Right. Like the other day um, we were having the conversation. I was like, yo, I recognized that I needed to remove myself out of the situation that I was in. And take a nap. I recognized it. I was like, yo, let me sleep this off because I'm feeling some type of way. I recognized it. I identified what I was feeling. I recognized where it was stemming from. And one of the treatments was, all right, cool. Remove yourself from the situation. Take a break and then come back and have a conversation about it to process it, right? So um, acknowledging the space that I'm in and then like, ah, this is about to go real far left. Let me go ahead and let me sleep this thing off, right? And a lot of us don't, a lot of us haven't had exposure to resources that will support us in that endeavor. A lot of us have never had that conversation to talk about what we are feeling or what we have experienced, right? It's something as simple as saying, yo, you good? And then if you say, yeah, all right, cool, I'm going to keep it moving. And if you say no, I'll be like, well, shit, man, it'd be all right. Mm -hmm. Right? Or, you know, just pray about it. Like We we don't really know how, like, when we unpack stuff, a lot of us haven't been equipped with the, the skills or the tools to... Help you process what we're unpacking. Instead, we just uh, yo you good. You tell me you're not good. You unpack all this stuff, and then I'm like, ah, bro, you gonna be all right? Or as you know, in the church, they say weeping may endure for a night, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? With joy. But my bills
0: still due on the first, baby. My bills still due on the first, and I ain't got no money,
1: right? (laughs) And it's like it's like uh, you ask me, I'm telling you, and you're not helping me. But it's it's I don't I don't think it's that we we aren't. I think, for the most part we we haven't fully been exposed to the know how to really pinpoint oh, when she said this to me, yes, I'm a man, and yes, I'm supposed to be strong and tough, but that shit hurt like hell
0: mm-hmm.
1: we don't really we're not given the space to learn how to sit with that
0: yeah i i would I would agree, I would agree because I think um our responses as men, they could either be perceived as coming from a place of anger and not hurt, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or or coming from a place of, like, not really chaos necessarily, but, you know, when, when to me, what I've had to do and in my life is also recognize that if I feel like someone isn't listening to me, right, mm-hmm. or hearing me, and, you know, we're talking at this, this level right now, at one point in my life, I said, okay, well, if you don't hear me like this, then I need to go Mad Max on you, and then maybe you'll hear me. Mm-hmm. But that's not really solving the problem either, though, because a lot of times people may not people may not hear you and it may not be what you're saying or how you're saying it. It may be what the, how they interpret certain things. And that has nothing to do with me. Absolutely. But somehow the, but somehow in that, in that, uh, in that transaction of having a conversation, I feel like, Oh, they're not hearing me. It's something that I'm doing. Right. And so I think a lot of times You know, our feelings get lost in translation because we we react we react based on how someone else reacts, but their reaction may not be uh, you know, it may not be influenced by what we're what we're actually saying. It may be something with them.
1: And I say this all the time, and I think you've heard me say this during some coaching sessions at the spot we used to work at. Like, I would ask the question, "What are you responsible for?" in a conversation are you responsible for what you say or are you responsible for what they hear and getting individuals to get to the point where they recognize that i'm not responsible for the perception that you have of my words i'm responsible for my word choice my tonation um and then you know the empathy that i'm showing in my communication What I also am responsible for is checking for understanding to make sure that I'm not leaving any room to have what I'm saying to be misinterpreted. And so I give you a story, I see you're emotional, and then, you know, therapy tip. It's, okay, Kevin, I see that you're upset. What did you hear me say? And then you're telling me what you heard in translation. And a lot of times we don't recognize that we have filters up. We have filters up when we're looking, we have filters up when we're hearing. And our filters are put in place by different experiences, sometimes privileges. And so it's that moment where you have to say, All right, Kevin, can you what did you hear me say? And then we can pinpoint, ah, before you go further, this is what I meant, or this is what. Ah, I can see where that could be misconstrued versus that's not what I said. You're not listening to me. Right. And so you, you really can't tell someone that they're not listening. The only responsibility in this is to be intentional about what you were saying and then to make it plain so that they can understand. But you have to check for understanding. Right. And we have this, we have these filters up. We also sometimes, as you said earlier, we respond. We respond based on the space and the place that we are in. So if I'm having a bad day and you say something that triggers a conversation that I had in earlier in one of my earlier meetings, then I'm gonna give you everything that I didn't give the people in the meet, and you're just like, "Yo, I'm I'm just telling you they don't, they don't have the strawberry Kit Kats. I I don't." Why are you yelling at me? Like, I didn't eat them all. I didn't buy them all. Like, I went to the store for you to find these things and they're not there. And going back to, you know, how we we process or we handle things or we like to put the blame on others, we haven't been equipped with the art of communication, right? You have to learn the art you have to practice the art and you have to refine the art and so in that moment i'm disappointed not necessarily at you i'm disappointed that they don't have any kit kats but if i was never taught going back to the training wheel concept Mm -hmm. i was never taught how to use my words and pinpoint what it is that's making me upset then now there's tension between us versus saying kevin Thank you for going out of your way to go check to see why. Why am I using strawberry Kit Kats as an example? Maybe I want something. I don't know. Keep going.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, thank you for going out of your way to check to see if the store has strawberry Kit Kats. Um, I really appreciate you. I'm just disappointed that they didn't have any, um, but I am appreciative of you. Versus, well, did you look hard enough? Right? Why did yeah. you go there? Did you go at a certain time I told you to? Isn't like whoa? Pinpointed. I'm disappointed. Right I'm not mad at you, I'm disappointed, but how can I separate this? and we haven't we haven't necessarily learned how to do that um, and I think I think when we when we go through traumatic experiences and we can talk more about what a traumatic experience looks like for different people, but when we go through a traumatic experience, that sometimes inhibits our ability to cope. It inhibits our um, ability to process these emotions and we build defense mechanisms to, to keep us from getting, uh, to keep us from getting hurt to a greater level.
0: Yeah. I was, it's, it's it's interesting because um, I'm trying to do some prep work for the show. Um, I went to um, mentalhealthamerica.org, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a a, a pretty good website for for those of you who um, are seeking out resources. And they they outline, um, you know, different phases of trauma and different uh, mental health tools and strategies that you can use. And so uh, mhanational.org, mhanational.org. Um, But one of the things that they talked about was, you know, owning your feelings. And in the process of owning your feelings, one of the bullet points as far as like keys to success, um, they state that you have to build your own emotional vocabulary. Thanks. Right. To to, to be able to talk and process and work through the trauma. And, you know, uh, so the Kit Kat analogy that you that you use, right. You know, why do you want Kit Kats? Well, Kit Kats put me in a happy place. <laughs> the strawberry kind—they like—they like some—they like, some, like some one-to-one Jordans, man. So <laughs> they hard to come by. But I—but I enjoy the experience. You know, mm-hmm. and so you have to kind of build your vocabulary around um, what your issues are and and what and what your feelings are. You know and a lot of times as you mentioned you know when we're in the training the training wheel phase of of really trying to address trauma um you know hell some instances that have occurred in my life I wouldn't even know where to start on building that vocabulary but it would sound like a sad dictionary a, a dictionary of just sad words <laughs> you know right. i was hurt i was sad i was emotionally destroyed <laughs> i can't believe that bride did that <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> right
1: Right, right.
0: But, but we. Why, why don't we do it, man? Why don't we? Why don't we come up and and why don't we strategize around, um, you know how to clearly and effectively articulate our our emotions? You know, it takes
1: too long, Kevin. It takes too long. It takes too it's too long, easier yeah. for me to punch you in the face. It's easier for me to pull out a weapon. It's easier for me to create some type of physical disturbance, whether it's to your body, whether mm-hmm. it's to these environments, this, this, like, it's easier for me to get it out that way. And this mm-hmm. way it, now it's just rage. Yeah. But it's like, no, at this moment, like when we're feeling all this, imagine a glass bowl. And every time you feel something, you get a different color, M&M tossed in. And at the end of the day, you'll have a full, glass bowl of M&Ms. And then what we really need to work on, and this was an activity I did with one of my clients. I said, I need you to go through and get all of the red M&Ms out this bowl. And he just looked at me. What he didn't know was that some of the red ones were Skittles. Mm. everything poured into the bowl. And so as he's picking it out, I said, all right, cool. And then once you pick them out, eat them. Cause we're dealing with just the red ones.
0: Mm-hmm. And he
1: bit into one and he looked at me. I was like, what's, what's the problem? He was like, this one's, this one's off. So, okay. What, what does that mean? So he's identifying it. I said, and that's what I need you to do with your emotions and your feelings. I need you to be able to pick it out of everything that's going on and we need to identify it. And we know what sadness looks like, but sadness and depression aren't necessarily the same. And so, if we don't handle one properly, one can turn into the other, right? One could have an impact, right? Sadness can soon turn into depression.
0: And with with us, like the same thing in that context, anger can turn into rage. Absolutely, right? Because
1: it looks looks alike. So Mm -hmm. now I need you to pull it out. And then when you identify it, and so he was like, this isn't chocolate. I said, well, what is it? He's like, Ronald, I think this is a Skittle. I said, well, what does it say? Never know. There was no marks on it. He was like, I'm not quite sure. Okay, so how do you know that it's not an m M&M? and so he was telling me about what he was used to and the ones that he ate previously. I said, keep going, right? And so we get to the point where if anything remotely resembles a previous experience, we just throw it in the box like when it's time to clean up, put your toys away. All right, cool. Legos. We just going to throw the Legos over here. It was like, actually those aren't Legos. Those are connects. So now I got to separate the connects from the Legos, but we, if anything is closely resembling anything we've experienced before, that's what we just automatically label Cause it's easier for us to deal with it this way.
0: How we can partner mentalize things.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. Because it's easier that way. But now for me to take the time out, if I said, in this whole entire bowl, only pick out the red M&Ms and there's red Skittles in there, but I don't want you to pick those out. That takes extra work because what he was doing was he was going by color. It's red. I'm picking it out. It's red. I'm picking it out. And so as we got through the process more and more and more, then we eventually got to where it was just M&Ms left. Cause there's, I couldn't find blue Skittles that I was willing to share. <laughs> Um, we had the conversation about every time you pick out something, make sure you're identifying it properly so you can treat it properly, right? If this is sadness, let's talk about where you got this sadness from. Cause like, I got it from the bowl. Okay, cool. how to it get in the bowl? What introduced this M&M into your bowl? Well, you, you gave it to me. Okay. And how did I introduce it to you? So then we started talking about things throughout the day. Like how did you get this emotion, this feeling of sadness, this overwhelm of grief? Where did you get this from? Where did you get this sorrow from? And what did you do with it in that moment? Did you just mm-hmm. put it in the bowl? Cause I said, put it in this bowl. Or did you figure out, yo, Let me take some time and process why I'm feeling this way, or let me write down what I'm dealing with or where this came from so I can work on it later. It's kind of like going to the doctor. The doctor will ask you, well, how long have you been feeling this way? And if you don't take note, right, If you don't pay attention to the date on your computer when you start feeling it or the time or where you were so you can associate the place with the space and the time and the date then we have another problem. So now I'm going to tell you, all right, cool, we'll go home and keep a journal and let me know your symptoms, right? Because now we need to get to the bottom. We need to diagnose this thing, but now we need to pinpoint when and where and for how long and to what impact. And so going back to the bowl situation, we don't, we are always in a rush. And when I say we, I mean, we as people we are always in a rush we are a popcorn culture we want what we want when we want it where we want it to the extent we want we don't like waiting so delayed gratification is a thing of of yesteryears and so for you to tell me yo i don't think that's rage i think that's x y and z and you like that's not what that is it's like okay well how do you know we don't take the time to sit and dissect In addition to that we some of us may not be taking the time to sit with it and dissect because we've never been taught how to sit with it and dissect
0: yeah yeah that that, that's that's something that uh, they also said for for not for uh, mental health America like you talked about journaling right Mm -hmm. to try to pinpoint where the feelings are coming from they also state that you should consider the strength of your feelings Mm-hmm. Because different feelings have different strengths. And, and one of the cold, and, I, and I'm, I'm quoting this directly off of the website, um, and they say, for instance, sometimes a person might say they're stressed when, when what they really are experiencing is something more or less like an annoyance. Mm-hmm. However, alternatively, anger might be stronger and deeper, feeling more like betrayal, so an annoyance and a betrayal, yeah, still provokes a level of anger, right? Yeah. But a betrayal, it man, that's like some that's like some Nino Brown G Money type shit. Yeah.
1: And my my uh, brothers keep.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But an annoyance that is like, oh man, uh, every time I'm going into the grocery store these days, I got to be masked and gloved up. Still sparking, like, the same kind of emotion, but the, on the on the strength meter, betrayal is way, way heavier yeah. than an annoyance.
1: But, see, it, you,
0: you may not be
1: able to recognize or identify betrayal, yeah. and so it may look like annoyance. You just may be annoyed that this person did what they did. Mm-hmm. Until you know what betrayal is, right, until you know how to identify what are the signs of betrayal, you're just going to be annoyed or mad. yeah. And we, as the training wheels, right, going back to when we were riding bikes and when we were training wheels. I remember, um, you know, it was easier to say I'm upset. I'm easy. It's easier to say I'm sad. I'm. It's easier to say I'm mad. Um, now tell me why. And kids, you know, when we first start having a conversation, kids use a lot of words. They do, <laughs> especially when you get that kid in that. That right space to where they feel comfortable and secure and can share with you it's when we get older when we go through the traditional school system, right we go through um and I think we touched upon this once before, you know black people, we people of color, we got all this stuff going on in the house um it, we're a high energy place, you know you got the women, they may be gathering around having conversations in the kitchen, the men may be having conversations, um, maybe out back playing horseshoes. The teenagers is, you know, doing things that teenagers do. And then the kids are running around the house. You got all this in one house. Aunties and uncles coming over, grandma and them coming over. And then you got this child at the age of four or five that's used to this since they even had a memory. You send them to school and then they go from communalistic to individualistic sit at your desk, raise your hand, do your work and wait for me to call on you to speak.
0: Yeah,
1: Right. And so that in itself is a traumatic experience. So, so now we don't share as much because we are now conditioned not to talk as much.
0: And I'll give you a prime example, man. And it's, it's funny how the, the, uh, life can be a rerun sometimes. So uh, when I was in the first grade, Mm -hmm. and so the first grade, that was like the first time that I was really in a formal classroom because my kindergarten, it was, you know, at a church. And really my kindergarten, my my grandparents and mother, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were my kindergarten teachers, you right. know what I mean right. as far as as far as reading math, behavior, colors, and all of that stuff. so I really never had like a formal kindergarten experience, <laughs> you know what I mean, and so when I was in the first grade, like I would do well in uh all of my classes, except for reading and comprehension and uh, I would be, I was talkative and I was, ta- I, and I used to get unsatisfactory <laughs> in the talking category <laughs> every time because of what you just articulated. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I couldn't read and I didn't understand, but the things that I would read at home, we would talk about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we would talk about it and have a conversation as far as the, the what, why, uh, when and how mm-hmm. of wh- what I was reading. And I just remember, like, as a kid, um, like, with well, my grandfather and I, we would go, you know, we would go on our excursions, you know, at, if it's to the barbershop or the grocery store, he would take me to basketball practice or something like that. I just remember the car ride. I was, I was always come asking him questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, wild questions. And I see my son doing the same thing. Like, at, at around the same age, he asked a lot of questions he you know you met him he he he, he's talkative yes you know what i mean and and he's
1: supposed to as a kid right he's inquisitive that's how he's learning about like what's happening
0: yeah and it's funny because like man i just remember like my aunt gail one of my mom's girlfriends and my aunt gail was like all right if if you cannot get talking uh unsatisfactory talking talkative uh mark on your report card i'll give you five bucks She made a deal with me, right? Mm-hmm. And that was my focus. But I don't think it was because I just wanted to be disruptive. You know what I mean? I think it was like me talking was my ability of... It gave it was my ability to try to understand things. Well, th- and, and
1: think about it, right? And so I used to get... You know how I am with noises, especially if I think the noise is out of time and out of place. <laughs> and so... I despise side chatter in meetings. It's just one of those things where it's like, shut the hell up and listen to what's being said. And then you won't have a thousand questions, you idiot. But whatever. So in church, when I hear people talking, it still irritates me. Mm -hmm. What used to really irritate me were children in church. (laughs) And I'm just like, why aren't you taking your child to children's church? Like they just said, it's open. Take your child there now. Like child's having the conversation. But then as I grew older and I matured and the more that I was working within child development, I was very appreciative of hearing the child talk or child, the children making noise, like the babies making noise, because that meant they had a healthy pathway of development. Right. If a toddler is asking questions about what's happening, why is this great? The child is paying attention. That means the child has good use of his senses. Right. And so I had to be able to shift my focus. And, you know, if the baby is ah, 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 every time they say something, they're laughing, they're just making noise, motor skills. Great. You're touching stuff. You're making noise. All right, cool. It's annoying. But I'm I'm, I am appreciative that the child is on a good pathway of development. And then when I think about it, that toddlers get to this age or babies get to this age and we want them to make noise. We want them to talk. Right. Mm -hmm. And
0: then we put them in school and we want them to be silent. And, hell, and that's, that's even beyond school, though, brother Jay. What, what your parents, what your parents and grandparents and aunties used to say? Look, go in here, sit down, shut up, and don't talk, don't say talk, nothing, don't don't say nothing unless nothing. somebody t- talks to you. Yeah, they out of grown folks' conversations.
1: Yeah, and so it's like, well, shit, you want me to talk here? <laughs> then you get mad because I'm not reading to you. Well, shit, you just told me to shut the hell up earlier. <laughs> like, I'm confused. And Kevin, that's trauma. That's trauma. Yes. <laughs> That's trauma. I think about you know, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. Well, what the hell was that?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I was crying for a reason. What
1: what the hell? I wasn't crying before you came in here. Is that not a reason? Right? And so so I'm laughing and I'm (laughs) that's trauma. Yeah. And so, like, when do we get to the point where we can like unlearn some of these behaviors? Because what I'm seeing, especially within communities of color we turn our trauma into traditions
0: like getting slapped into last week yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. right yeah. We,
1: we turn our trauma into traditions because we just repeat what has been done and then having a conversation but we we tend to turn things that are traumatic into traditions because no one has talked to us about trauma and I have become more understanding with a lot of my older relatives and then just older older people in general in recognizing, you know, be, being more patient with them in certain areas because I recognize that they're still dealing with trauma that they haven't yet, yet, yet treated. And um, trauma doesn't just have to come from an illegal behavior.
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> right. It doesn't have to come from illegal behavior, some of the things that I wrote down it could be um, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. it could be um, witnessing physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. It could mean um, physical or emotional neglect, witnessing substance abuse at home and the behaviors of the substance abuse um, It can come through separation or divorce of parents it can come through um, death, right? People, people dying. Um, as a child, you don't really know how to process this. You just know you're feeling overwhelmed with all of these things, right? It could be incarceration um, of a family member, of a household member, of a neighbor, right? Seeing someone put into handcuffs. And nowadays, right? Police brutality can cause a lot of trauma and stress to a child that can't comprehend because yesterday we was just playing cowboys and robbers, I mean, uh, cops and robbers.
0: Mm-hmm. Hell, COVID-19. This is some, tra- this is some, some traumatic absolutely, stuff, man. right? It's and like, we ain't just working from home. We are working from home under traumatic circumstances.
1: Absolutely. That's two we, different things, bruh. Absolutely. We are trying to figure this whole damn thing out. Wow, you're expecting me to be on all these Zoom calls. And so it's like having a stressful event take place to where it inhibits your ability to properly cope with it. I'm dealing with all this stuff and you want me to pull out some damn red M&Ms out this damn glass jar? (laughs) You see all these damn M&Ms in here? And so now I got to go through all the stuff I'm dealing with and pinpoint, I don't have time for this, right? And so we start to allow the trauma and the stress to manifest itself through our relationships, through through our physical health, through our emotional health. And then it starts to develop other issues that later maturize as adults
0: dude and i i I, once again somehow kev kev is the guinea pig on this show man but but i i i will say that um you know dealing with a lot of loss earlier on in life Mm -hmm. i thought that was the norm as an adult so even when i was going through like my divorce you know what i mean my 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 kind of uh safety mechanism was to say well you know people in your life don't last for you know they only last for reasons and seasons and maybe some people are just not supposed to be in your life and so you know it's okay to be alone I've been alone before. Tradition. Yeah.
1: Trauma into tradition right and yeah. how do we get to the point Kev it's how do we get to the point where we recognize that um, just because we went through it doesn't mean we were supposed to. How mm-hmm. do we get to the point where we have the conversation that just because it happened to uh, my mother, or just because it happened to my father, just because it happened to my uncle or auntie, just because my grandmother had to endure it, just because my uh, older brothers had to do it. It doesn't, I don't have to, like, this is not a rites of passage. Like, we all have to go through the same traumatic experiences. Yeah. Right? Understanding that Um, there was some shit that we dealt with as children that we probably shouldn't have been dealing with, but going back to everyone wasn't equipped with the skill set to have conversations or, you know, just thinking, um, there could have been times where, you know, I was in a single parent home, maybe my mother didn't have the time to have the conversation or maybe my grandparents didn't have the time to have the conversation or, Uh, You know, oh, you'll be all right. Yeah. Right. And it's not that they
0: didn't want to. Maybe they didn't know how.
1: They didn't know how, and so instead of saying "I don't know how," because that's that takes that that takes humility. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pride gets in the way of that, and so instead of saying "I don't know how," let me ask somebody else. It's like, oh, you'll be all right. Right. If Mm -hmm. I, I remember, I had a. I had an anger problem.
0: Really. <laughs> Could you tell? Yeah. you mean our petty? There's a there's another there's another level to our petty, man. There was a
1: childhood aggression issue.
0: Oh, lord. Okay. And so
1: I was typically kind of like I am now. Some stuff can just roll off my back, but in the back of my head, I'm going to get you back. Mhm. And it may not come for years. Um but I remember I got into a fight in elementary school and I was a cool kid, right? I didn't bother nobody. Um, but when you step to me, like, I, I, this is not really what you want. And if you took me to the area, like, well, I was more afraid of getting kicked out of school and then having to deal with my mother. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, yo. You can do whatever. You can say whatever. But what, what you're not going to do is get my ass whooped at my house, right? So I need you to get it together. Um, so we're playing playing football, recess, and, you know, it's, we're playing touch. Uh, one kid decided that, you know, he wanted to play tackle. All right, so I took, <laughs> I took the hit. All right, cool. Your team losing, whatever. Cool. Maybe he was running too fast, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Nope. Did it again. Oh, so, so so now you have a problem. Okay, bet. And so before he could do it the third time, like, I turned into a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> like, to the point where I couldn't stop. Like, my, my cousin literally had to kick me in my ribs to get me off of him. And, like, every time we see each other, we had, we, like, he'd be like, you been in any more fights? Like, he was like, yo... <laughs> No one could get you off of it, like blood was everywhere. Like I was like <laughs> beating him. And then I get up and I keep playing football. Like the whistle's blown, we gotta get he's still on the ground. I get in line like I ain't did nothing, like I just snap. And <laughs> so we get out of school, and I lived up the street from the school, so I didn't have to get on the bus. And this mm-hmm. person lived up the street but in a different direction, was still talking shit, and so he <laughs> got it again outside of school. And, and this time like my cousin had to go get his older cousin to pick me up off of cuz I was just going to beat the brakes off of. Like I I wasn't quite sure what what made you think that you had permission to do that. And so mm-hmm. I had to teach you a lesson. Um but I've always been like that, but now I'm able to recognize like yo, let me talk about my aggression before it builds up and then I just snap. Um And it's one of those things where you could say it was a traumatic experience, but as I look back on it, I'm just like, (laughs) I I remember laughing like me and my sister got into it once um, and I kept saying leave me alone or to stop and she wouldn't listen and so I went ham on her. And I remember my grandmother saying, "I told you to leave him alone, right?" And so, <laughs> as I'm as I'm thinking back on it, my grandmother probably should have had a conversation with me, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> yep, I know she made you mad. This this is what you're supposed to do, but her her response, and it was probably the best response that she thought was the best response, was to tell my sister, "Like I told you, to stop messing with me, right?" And so, in that moment, I'm just like, "Oh, I ain't get in trouble."
0: so it it turned into acceptable behavior absolutely so Ah, now it's tradition right it's now
1: now it's okay for me (laughs) to do this if i said hey stop don't do that and i give you a way out now i can beat your head to the white meat because Mm -hmm. i told you to stop and you didn't listen right and so now as an adult i have to learn like yo I, i was in college and i almost got into a fight and I blacked out for a second. And my, my best friend, he he grabbed me real quick. He was like, bro, you shook you shook it off. And then you got focused. And I he said, I saw that look in your face. He's like, uh-uh, nope, we're not going to do this here. I was like, I blacked out for a couple of seconds. And, and I guess because I was always like the shortest one in the group, the smallest one in the group. Um, so they thought that, you know, since I was small, that they could do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I crossed, I had like this, you know, you you get. You, know,
0: when you, you had that new that noob strength. When you walk across them burning sands, you feel like you can do anything. He had that noob strength. You, feel like you walk across them burning sands, you you feel
1: like you can pimp slap Peter if he raises his hand, <laughs> right? And so, like recognizing, like, mm, this is not acceptable behavior, right? Now, mm-hmm. now I'm not saying to disregard the behavior because there may come a time where I need to use that behavior for good. Yeah. But it's like I, I can't bottle all this up and then just outlash at the wrong person. Kind of like with watching a whole lot of the police brutality stuff. Like I can't I can't watch that because if I get pulled over for a traffic light or running a stop sign, my aggression will then come out at the wrong time and that can turn that can turn bad for me. Mm-hmm. And so how do we get to the point where you know I recognize that this is traumatic? But I also recognize that I don't want this to become a tradition to how I I don't want to pass this down. And one thing that um, I keep reminding myself and I remind myself of my clients that if we can't transform our trauma, we will soon transfer our trauma. True. And how do we get to the point where there's not a transference, but a transformation of it? How can I take this traumatic experience and, and pull what these lessons are, these valuable lessons, these things that these things, this this instance can teach me and use it for my good. How can I recognize it? Who do I need to talk to? And how can I be a better person because of, right? Not, not necessarily falling into, and I think we do this as adults. Well, backtracking as children, when we go through a traumatic experience, we sometimes will create a false sense of identity. Right. And so children will sometimes create imaginary friends. Children will sometimes create different personalities, right? Oh, well, my name is such and such today. Right. So that's a warning sign when a child does that. Um, Especially if they're around certain people and they automatically do this and it's like, Hmm, patterns and behaviors. If that's not transformed as a child, it's transferred to our adulthood and then we create a false sense of identity as adults. Right? We don't express ourselves. We um tend to be passive and say everything is okay, or we just we just act as if we're supposed to do what what we're doing and endure what we're enduring because that's what I saw someone else do.
0: And I I I've, I've been guilty of that. <clears throat> Honestly, um, trying to emulate and I'll call it survival tactics yeah. of my grandfather, mm-hmm. you know, um, not really expressing emotion and focusing more so on like your profession versus your, your personal matters. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like you said, it's easier. It takes work to deal with your personal matters.
1: Yeah. But
0: you could, it, takes, it takes less work to uh, say, all right, well, you know, well, this area of my life is not going as planned. So let me just dedicate and focus into my work life. But that's neglect, Brother Jay. That ain't helping the situation. That's, that's ne- neglect. Facts. Right? And so um, I've been guilty of it as well. Because I just found, I feel like, okay, it's easier to say, all right, well, I'm going to uh, try to be successful or achieve goals in, in my profession. Um, because, you know, maybe the the goals that I had in my personal life, maybe they have, you know, my, my commitment or uh, my progress towards those goals has fault, faltered. And um, I know Will Smith said this on a podcast a few months back when they were promoting Bad Boys. hmm And it was so cold and provocative, man. He was like, you cannot achieve or succeed your way out of feeling inadequate or out of feeling um, that you're not good enough or out of feeling, you know, hurt and pain. Like, you can't succeed your way out of that. The the feeling is only going to morph the more that you achieve the more accolades that you receive the right. more uh you know the the more fame the more fortune that you have that's why they normally say well just because you have a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that you are uh, free and clear of ha- having trauma and emotional emotional breakdowns
1: right right
0: you know and i i think that's part of the reason why i get so i get so annoyed when people talk about Michael Jordan and they talk about, you know, how great he was as a basketball player and how he transformed the game of basketball. Um, but I, I think people only see the success. They don't see the sacrifices that he made and the work that he put in. And, you know, popular opinion has it that yeah he's the greatest basketball player but another popular opinion is that he's an asshole
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right and so you know you you can be as successful and as great as you want to be that doesn't necessarily mean that you know people hold you in high regard for the person that you are right they hold you in high regard for what you have done and accomplished and maybe they see themselves uh wanting to be as great in their lives in a particular area, but that doesn't that doesn't make up the difference that you probably in- encountered some emotional and trauma where you know you thought it was best to be the greatest basketball player in the world because it's harder being Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, it's easier to be his Aaronis than it is to be Michael Jeffrey Jordan.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think you know going back to creating that. Um false version of ourselves so that we can avoid further trauma if it's not properly handled or maintained um this this will show up in our work this will show up in relationships this will show up in like groups and organizations that we're in this will show up in our home life like i'ma just create this facade and going back to child's play like uh my name is ronald but uh ronald had the traumatic experience but Uh, Christopher didn't. So I'm Chris today because Chris didn't have this traumatic experience. Chris didn't have to deal with the pain. And then like, what does that, what does that do? It also creates um, a sense of burying our feelings about our true selves. And when you really look at feelings and emotions, feelings help us to understand who we are, what are our desires, and who do we want to be, right? If something makes me happy, I want to I want to do that more. I want to be around it more. If I have a passion about this, right? If I have a passion for serving people, if I have a passion for teaching, then I want to become a teacher, right? I want to do this based on my feelings. And so when we bury our feelings and not deal with them, we don't uh, confront them, then we soon get conquered by them. Mm -hmm. And so this is prevalent in a lot of my adult relationships, right? I can identify a lot of these things. um, And it's, it's somewhat, it's, Mm -hmm. it's sometimes hard to watch. um, Because people have been doing this for so long that they're not ready they're not ready to deal with it. Right. I'm, I'm still being Christopher. Christopher never got hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you get married, you get in a relationship as Christopher, you get married as Christopher, you start that, you know, you start a family as Christopher, you get this job as Christopher. And then when you have a child, you know, you have a child as Christopher, but then you have that Ronald moment. Then you have, you know, that Kevin moment. Then you, then you have that moment that takes you back to who you really are and you don't know how to deal with it because you've been avoiding it for so long. Yeah. And then it starts to manifest itself in, in different ways.
0: Do you think, do you think that people in general, um, we think we are, we are doing good work when we say, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to address those issues because that's just a, that's a sacrifice that I have to make in order to live.
1: That is toxic. Yeah. (laughs) Trauma Mm -hmm. and tradition. Mm -hmm. And so we are conditioned by society to keep moving. We're conditioned by um, going back to the training wheels. If you fall down, if I take these training wheels off, just get back up and keep riding. Right. We aren't allowed to say, you know what? I fell down. I hurt my knee. And today I'm done riding a bike for the day. We can try again tomorrow. No, 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 you got to get back on. it. you don't get back on, you ain't gonna learn how to ride a bike, and you ain't gonna be able to uh, ride ride your bike with your with the friends in the street because they're they gonna learn how to ride a bike and you're gonna mm-hmm. be the only one. And so it's like, whoa, my leg's bleeding. Hey man, that's a sacrifice you gotta make at the age of six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to sacrifice my well-being so I can ride with my kids because I don't want to be the only one riding the street. And it's like, uh, and I heard I heard someone telling their child that and i get what they were saying and i also had to you know pause and say hey maybe this is what was taught to you and what you're really saying is you really want your child to learn so that he can play and be out there with the other kids you don't want him to feel left out
0: yeah and and isolated yeah Mm -hmm. that's not what you said yeah
1: and so now the child is crying can't see because he's crying, he got tears in his eyes, his leg is hurting, every time he pedals, he's reminded of the pain of his leg, he can't see, so then he hits something else,
0: and now you're yelling at him. Well, really, you could have created the training, a training program where, well, yeah. okay, well, that's enough for today, we'll, we'll yeah. try it again tomorrow.
1: Yeah, let's put yeah. your training wheels back on and let's, let's get you comfortable again with feeling how the bike is supposed to ride.
0: Our best shows, man. I think that when the spirit come into the room, man, I think those are our best shows, honestly. And it's crazy that we're talking about this now because one of my one of my verses of the day, in in my in my good you my good you version app, man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it says uh, it's it's from Proverbs twenty one three, and it says to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice, mm. because righteous righteousness and the justice to do the the act of doing that requires work, man. Yeah. You could blow off something and call it a sacrifice. Yeah. But it might not be work in it.
1: Give up, so, and there's also a difference between giving up and sacrificing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm giving this up for Lent, okay? But is it a sacrifice for Lent? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I'm going to go without this. Okay, cool. But is it a sacrifice? It hits different. Yeah. It hits different. And so going back to the, you know, the training wheels analogy, in that moment, the child could filter out what he's saying and be like, you know what, let me just ride the bike so I ain't got to deal with this bastard no more. Yep. Right? Or the child can then say, no matter what I do. I'm either going to be in pain and I'm going to cry. And then they can start to become a victim, right? And one way that we see trauma um, develop or manifest into adults is when adults always do the victim, right? We become victims in our own experiences, Mm -hmm. like negative self-talk.
0: Oh, in care in Kev's situation, man. Let me just go ahead and do this so I don't have to hear nobody's mouth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right, because I hate hearing people's mouths.
1: Yeah. Let me go ahead and get <laughs> back on this bike so I can get yeah. this over with. Mm-hmm. Or, I guess. Oh, you're gonna be the only one riding the bike. Oh, I guess I won't be good enough to hang with my friends then. Right. And now we got this negative self-talk coming and now we feel like we don't have power in situations and now we feel like we don't have control in our lives. And now we automatically resort to a negative situation so that we can talk about becoming a victim later on. Mm -hmm. I know several people like this and I'm having conversations and I always ask, like, why do we always resort to the negative side of this? And, you know, it takes training. You have to train your mind to see the positive because it's so easy
0: to see the negative. And, and when you when you talk about um, people uh, adopting toxic behavior, right, um, on on the uh, Mental Health America website as well, it talks about like identifying traits of toxic people. Mm-hmm. And now this is of others, or may they may be even traits within ourselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. But it, it, so listen to this and what we just described. Describe in that bike analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, toxic traits of toxic people—they're ma- manipulating. Tech. So man, you fell off the bike, man. You know you you, if you fall off the bike. That means if you can't ride the bike, you can't be with your friends. And, and you so you ain't gonna
1: get no girlfriend when you get to college. What?
0: I just I've just manipulated the situation, <laughs> yeah. but I'm coming from the place of like I'm your uncle or father, man. I've ruined I've <laughs> I've ruined, I've ruined yeah. you, right? Yeah. So traits of toxic people—they're manipulating. Uh, they make you feel bad about yourself. So man, you fell off the bike. You fell off the bike, man. You're not gonna be good enough to ride with your friends. Yep. And so now you know this six-year-old has doubts <laughs> about I, I'm, I'm their not ability to enough. connect with their home with his homeboys.
1: And I'm not gonna be good enough.
0: I'm not gonna be good enough.
1: So and and that would transfer, Kev, not to not to interrupt, but yeah, the, um, that would transfer to anytime you fail at the first attempt, you're gonna to resort to well, not, let me not say always, but any anything
0: this, in life though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: If, if, if at first you don't succeed, I'm going to remember the same thing my, my my dad or my uncle told me, right? Or whoever was teaching me how to ride a bike. Oh, well. You, you fell know. off
0: that bike. You ain't going to be
1: good enough. Yes, I'm not good <laughs> enough. I might as well just quit. I'm not good at my job. I can't do this, right? And And not saying that it happens with everyone, but these are the patterns and behaviors. And this is where this stuff stems from because it can go... Into a quarantine, bad choice mm-hmm. of words. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It can go into a quarantine and then come out at a later date, and you don't even you don't even know where the hell it came from. But now it's there, and that right? virus is more vicious than ever at that point because it's been constantly fed. Because you become deaf and blind to it instead of moving from it, you just try to quote unquote going back to what we said earlier, ignoring it, not knowing that the constant exposure to it is making it grow
0: more intense. Mm-hmm. And so, so beyond even making, you know, people that make you make you feel bad about yourself, you know, people that are judgmental. Mm -hmm. Well, man, you know, you you fell off that (sighs) bike. I guess uh, I guess you're not built for it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not you're not built for it. It's okay. You're not built for it. But, you know, coming from a place of of judgment, um, people that have that are constantly just negative. Okay, you fell off the bike you know, it's not the end of the world. Or you fell off the bike, yo, man, I wasted my money buying that bike. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You ain't even riding it.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna take that thing then back to the store and and get my money back. Get
0: my money back, but but you know what? I already opened the box, put it together, so I can't get my money back, so now I just wasted my money.
1: Or let me see if somebody, let me see if another kid up the street that knows how to ride a bike wants a new bike.
0: Yeah, like that's that's (laughs) what you're supposed to do. (laughs) You know, or 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 people people that they, you know they go from being negative to being passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, you know, you know Johnny down the street, man. He really doing something on his bike. Your bike just sitting there though.
1: Yeah, still rusty.
0: Still rusty, man. You know, but the tires Johnny, Johnny might even be flat. Yeah, but but Johnny Johnny did so well. He you know he he getting he getting an upgrade and a pair of sneakers to go with his new bike. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that passive aggressive stuff. Or people kind of make it all about them. And it's a self-centered approach. Well, you know, you fall off that bike. Well, when I was your age, I was, you You know, you just starting to ride your bike at six. I, you know, I was riding my bike at four years old.
1: Yeah. Blindfolded.
0: Blindfolded.
1: Giving people <laughs> rides on the handlebar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, and, and then, you know, people that are going from self-centered to also trying to just control the environment. Like, yo, if, if the kid falls, the kid falls. That's what kids do when they're learning to ride a bike.
1: The, the child needs to fall. Yeah. So they can feel what it feels like. So they know, let me do what I can to control my situation to prevent me falling. If I fall and stuff's out of my control, it's out of my control. Mm-hmm. But learning early on, I can control where my head goes. They don't teach you this when you're riding a bike, but if you look too far to the right, you're going to steer to the right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? If you look too far to the left, you're going to steer to the left. So look ahead until you can master it because you're still trying to get your motor skills down while riding the bike. That's a lot. Because it's about balance, man. Yeah, and it's we don't know balance. what balance is. We don't know what gravity is. We don't know that gravity has taken better men than me down.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? It, it, we we just know that if I don't ride this bike, either I'm going to get in trouble, either um I'm going a, I'm to a get hurt, or I'm going to cry, I'm going to be made to feel sad and I don't want any of this. But now that's clouding my judgment and I can't, like, I don't know how to compensate if I turn too far to the left, I'm going to overcompensate and turn it all the way to the right. And and now I, I'm not pedaling anymore because I'm scared or I locked up and I know that I need to keep going so that gravity doesn't get me. And there's so many forces working against us and we don't even recognize as adults, the trauma that we are putting individuals through because it was passed down as tradition to us.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, and finally, you know, a trait of a toxic person is, you know, just lack of, you know, a- anger management or lack of anger management control. Mm-hmm. You know, so, oh, you fell off the bike. God damn it. Why the hell? Every time <laughs> you own this bike, you keep falling off this damn bike.
1: Yeah.
0: I went out, I paid $200 for this bike and you for you to fall.
1: And what does a five-year-old know about $200? Because all I got got is like $2 and like 83 cents in my bank. (laughs) My little piggy bank that y'all gave me. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, all of them pennies. It's all pennies. And my mother's baby shower with my name on it. (laughs) How the hell am I supposed to know the value of $200, right? And so putting all this into perspective, we got to work on it. Yeah. In the community, like, and just because it was passed down to you doesn't mean it has to be passed down through you. Recognizing. Cool. I'm not. My uncle helped me ride my bike. That was a traumatic experience. That nigga can't help my side on the bike. Like, I'm going <laughs> I'm to I'm teach my son how to ride a bike. <laughs> and I need to get him on this bike before my uncle gets to him. And so, cool. We're going to fix that. Or cousin so-and-so, whenever she comes to the cookout, she always want to see, like, what boy is the strongest. And, you know, you ain't strong if you can't do this. Nope. We just going to avoid that all together because I don't have time for that. I don't have time to repair. And I think that's another thing, Kevin. We we sometimes recognize the trauma, but we don't want to repair what was done, right? Mm-hmm. We can see that something has happened, but we don't want to take all we, – we brush it off as, oh, you know, that's just on such and such. yeah. She don't mean nothing by it. I don't know what that means. What I do know is she she hurt my feelings, and I really wanted to snatch that wig off her head. Mm-hmm. And I'm leaning towards you as a, my parent, right? This attachment thing I got to you with the secure attachment. I, I was waiting for you to say something, and you didn't. So now, now I'm going to be apprehensive about saying stuff around you because you you clearly sat here and, and watched me go through this, and you ain't saying nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's how she she just playing. She do that to all the kids growing up, blah, blah, blah. So now we all got them. so now that's how we're bonding, because we all been traumatized together by the same auntie. <laughs> Is, yeah, it's,
0: it's, a it's a rite of passage it's a rite of passage Right? it, it we, becomes a rite of passage it's <laughs> that tradition oh yeah. well you know you don't get
1: cussed out by aunt such and such and you ain't you ain't really lived as a child yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why should a child be getting cussed out by aunt such and such now get it as an adult I find the shit funny yeah. but I'm just like why are you saying those words to a kid I don't know what this means what I am going to learn how to do is repeat these words and then get in trouble later on and then ain't nobody coming to save me oh well ain't, she ain't told you to say it well you let her say it around me
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, you know the, the the and the training wheel analogy, man. Because it's it's funny because I I didn't like my 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 grandparents and my mother they they weren't like out out at a in an empty parking lot helping me ride a bike. You know what right. I mean? Like, <laughs> it was like here's the bike, here's the training wheels. <laughs> you know, you figure a lot of stuff out. <laughs> you figure it out. And so me. I learned how to ride a bike, man, by t- literally taking the training wheels off and going to the top of our driveway oh, shit. <laughs> and rolling down the driveway, like getting that momentum. Uh-huh. And then when I when I knew the bike was steady and balanced, I would start pedaling after I'd already had momentum. And i go out into the street and I was like, okay, I got momentum. And it's balanced. And that's how I learned how to ride a bike. But it wasn't like, you know, an adult was out there kind of supervising the process. They would look out from the from the porch or whatever to make sure I won't get hit by a car or something like that. Right. But that's that's literally how I, I learned how to ride a bike. And so um, it's funny because I have a picture of me teaching my sister how to ride a bike. You know, so I'm probably, you know, at this time I'm, I might be 20, 21, my sister's like five. Mm-hmm. And helping her understand the concept of balance and guiding her, and then eventually letting go. And eventually letting go, but letting her know it's all right to fall, I'm behind you, but I can't, I can't control the bike, and you build up the confidence to be able to ride the bike going forward. Right. And it's so funny because I, I swear, you know, um, uh, you know, 10, 11 years later, 15 years later, I'm teaching my son the same kind of tactics on how to ride a bike (laughs) like yo i can't i can't control you and you control the bike because both of us gonna fall right (laughs) you know but it's okay to fall and you know if you want to get back up and do it again you can if not that's cool but if your goal is to ride the bike then you know falling is part of the process (laughs) yeah you know, you gotta build up your confidence. That's part of the process.
1: And it's better you do it early on than later. Like, oh shit, this is what falling feels like.
0: Yeah. Why ain't nobody tell me this? The older you get, the the heavier you become. Listen. The the less the less bounce back game you have. So and you the know,
1: harder it is to readjust.
0: Yeah. Why you but, think old people like old people fall, man? It's like that's 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 worse than having a heart attack a lot of times. Yeah, because they're not hard. used to falling. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's been so long, and I I remember. I think my uncle was at the house um, and I was in the yard riding my bike. And I I always, I was, I took shit apart, even though I wasn't supposed to. Um, so I remember hearing somebody talk about training wheels and I got impatient because my mother was cooking dinner and she said she was going to take my training wheels off. And, you know, so I could learn how to ride the bike without the wheels. I mm. did it myself. And just took off down the yard. And I think either my uncle was cutting the grass or something and almost, almost caused the scene. But you know, he was excited that I was riding a bike. And so I ran inside and told my mother what I did. She's like, No, you didn't. <laughs> and I was like, I did. She's like, You took those training wheels off. And in that moment, I was like, damn, I'm about to get my ass
0: whipped. <laughs> trauma, trauma, <laughs> right,
1: trauma. But then she was like, Well, let me see, let me see you do it again. So I did it again. Um, so it was like, Oh, good job. Um, when really it could have been why didn't you wait for me I told you I was going to do x y and z right and so um, when we when we started talking about the title of the show I was thinking about when I took my training was off what that was like but then also how my experience could have been completely different um, if I wasn't allowed to experience Mm -hmm. what it really was right and a lot of times when we are teaching people stuff or when we're helping people we sometimes project our experiences on the other people um like i was talking to one of my friends and (laughs) we joke but it really it was it was it was pretty bad he had a very bad breakup and so um this was what five six years ago and so the other day he was giving somebody advice and we was all on the zoom call and everyone was like uh no thank you
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was like oh i'm good man matter of fact like, uh i got a pot on the stove i gotta he, get off yeah, I, he was like, let, me,
1: <laughs> let me go get this water it's barking uh <laughs> And he was like, no, 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 no. He's like, I'm not telling you from my experience, like what to do. I'm telling you what I've learned. And so something that you should be mindful of. And so, you know, I, I hit him up and told him, you know, I appreciate and acknowledge that part that, you know, he he recognized where that person was coming from, but also not projecting, oh, well, you know, they're going to do this. That's probably what's happening and blah, blah, blah. But he was just saying, yo, this is some of the stuff that happened to me. And if I can prevent it from you, but not necessarily, Giving them too much to where they start looking for something that is not there. Right. And he's like, oh, well, maybe you should have the conversation and just ask more questions about this. You're like, what would you do? He was like, that's not me. Right. This is a different experience. But if you are wondering this, then ask more questions versus, oh, well, they're probably thinking this or they're probably doing this. And so he he does a very good job of not us making assumptions and filling the person's head with unnecessary stuff that's not there. But he does encourage people, yo, ask questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, I mean, his breakup was horrible. Like, who Yo, I,
0: that's that's one of my fears, man. That's one of my fears now, Brother Jay. And, and like, full disclosure, um, full vulnerable state, man. That's one of my fears. Like, uh, you know, seeking companionship and having gone through a divorce and, like, trying to figure out, like, this ambiguous space of being single. Yeah. And not saying, okay, well, I'm just not going to date. Because I feel better being single, mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie. I love this single shit, though. Man, I love it. I love it. You know, I love the fact that ain't nobody barking me. And once again, going back to trauma, I don't gotta hear nobody's mouth when I come in the door. <laughs> and 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 the only mouth that I am hearing is mine. If I'm talking to myself, that's okay. It's yeah. me. It's me and my thoughts, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> my in, it's my inner counsel.
0: It's my inner counsel, right? But I do I do have to recognize that though I experience trauma in one way, I also have to give myself some leeway and um, some grace to say, you know, like all experience is not gonna be like that. Facts. You know, because then I I I I could talk it up in my mind, like, well, you know, hey, I'm just sacrificing, I'm just sacrificing um, you know, not dating now just because, you know, maybe I'm not I'm not in a situation or I'm not the person that I need to be in order to date and, you know, explore and stuff like that, right? Right. But I you, you know, you justify, but I don't think that's a good that's a good lesson learned.
1: We and we do that with all we do that with all the stuff, right? Like the other yeah. day, um I was eating something and it was late at night and I was like, ah, well, I was looking at my meal plan, and I was like, "Well, you know, I did have a lighter thing here, and so this will kind of balanced me out, so now I'm justifying these maladaptive behaviors versus recognizing mm, this was a experience, the experience was over. this is what I learned from it. Now I need to be fair to myself and allow me to experience new experiences and And I think we have a problem like you know when you end a relationship and you go into another one, you know if they say some of the things that your, your ex says and now you're starting to get red flags and it was like, they're just using the same language. Calm down. Yeah. Right? It was like, oh, she's not answering her phone at night. She works the night shift. She can't mm-hmm. answer the phone. Or mm-hmm. like, they're asleep at this moment because they got to get up early. And so it was like, stop looking for stuff that's not there. Um yeah, because I,
0: I'll be a self sabotager, kamikaze style in a minute, man. Oh, real quick,
1: you know, the yeah. old the old proverb <laughs> says, Don't go looking in the grass for a snake if you don't want to find one, because what you go looking for you'll find. And that either means you're gonna actually see what's there or you're gonna create something to be there so that you can see it. And so just 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 live, enjoy the experiences, uh, and let's work on transitioning or yeah, transforming the trauma so we don't have to transfer the trauma
0: absolutely man and you know it's important it's important to to really you know allow yourself to feel um, you know but you you also have to um, you know build a, build a, build your vocabulary to to be able to express yourself whether that's through a journal or you talking it out with a mental health professional or or your loved ones because mm-hmm. you know I think a lot of times we take our, we take our relationships with our loved ones for granted. Like that's, you know, you supposed to have this relationship. Everybody don't have a, everybody doesn't have a mother or father. Right. You know, everybody doesn't have a wife or a husband to, to, to talk about, talk about, you know, your innermost thoughts and, and your deepest feelings. Right. And we take it for granted and, or we'll say, um, well, it requires too much work. So this is a relationship that needs to fall by the wayside. And that's not, you know, we shouldn't allow, we shouldn't allow our past traumas to dictate our future. But a lot of times we 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 observe it and look at it as we're just making a sacrifice for the greater good. But really you're putting yourself in a, a more traumatic box. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to the, You know, as adults, when we create false versions of ourselves, we need to, you know, on a way to recovery, we have to reconnect with those feelings and emotions, but in a healthy way. And that, that may require, you know, help of a mental health professional, help of a life coach, um, someone that you trust that can um, help you sort this stuff out. And so if, I know that as a child, I was hurt when um, my uncle said he was supposed to come for career day and he never came. And now I'm 40 some years old, but I, I still have these feelings towards my uncle that I never really talked about. Now is the time to, you know, figure it out. Like, even if you go to him, you be like, you know what, you know. You know, I've been mad at you since about nine years old. I've been cool with you, but <laughs> it's about nine years old. You still ain't come to my school and talked about X, Y, and Z. But have that conversation, even if you say it in a jesting manner. Yeah. Be real and have the conversation or write it out in the notebook and then process like, yo, this is why I felt this way. This is why I'm upset. But now and as an adult, you can maybe find out like, oh, well, you know, I did know that my uncle was dealing with X, Y, and Z. He did have to work. And now as an adult, I know that. When stuff comes up on the job, I can't just be like, oh, I can't can't do it because I gotta do X, Y, and Z. So now you start to be like, hmm, as a kid, it felt different, but as an adult, I can see it. But that still doesn't take away the impact. But now I can acknowledge what I felt because you know the the reality of the situation is that you know, children will experience trauma in a different way. And I think when we are helping children or adults with our trauma, it's not up to us to tell them how to see the trauma.
0: Yeah.
1: What is is our job is to help them talk through the trauma so that they can transition out of it.
0: We can't be self-centered and make it about us. At all. You know, because it's about them. That defeats the purpose. But you know what you are what you just articulated, brother Jay, that was something that I think was probably one of the greatest moments in my life, man, the great the greatest moments of my life and it, and it helped me um, reconcile a lot of um, hurt and trauma that I experienced dealing with my father mm-hmm. growing up. you know my father um, was in the Navy and um, went to california and dude, I grew up I would probably say most of my childhood thinking thinking that my father didn't like me and my father didn't um didn't like appreciate me as a son, like yo, I thought I was a pretty cool kid, pretty dope kid, mm-hmm. but it's like yo why does why why doesn't this dude want to have anything to do with me right right and I resented him for for many many years um even as I you know became a teenager into my adulthood, and the older that, that I got and and having the vocabulary to really express disappointment with him but then hearing his perspective as far as the things that he was going through when he was younger than me at the time or around the same age it gave me the ability to really empathize with him and even on his deathbed um i'm just happy that i had i was able to to reconcile with my feelings and emotions to Try to enjoy the the limited amount of time that I had with him, mm-hmm. but I also think that he was able to reconcile with the understanding that yo, I really cared about him, I really loved him, and that go a long way when somebody on their deathbed, man, you already living with regrets, right? You know, but but like that's a, a a real good example of you know childhood trauma follows you into adulthood. But at some point you got to take a stand and try to reconcile like what, what went on, why it happened and um, how to, how to make a positive change.
1: Yeah. And it, it will look different depending on your situation. Some people won't have the opportunity to have those conversations. Some people have been in experiences to where they are unable to because of the experience like have a face-to-face or talk to and so there's other means of you know reconciliation it doesn't have to be with the person it could be reconciliation with yourself to recognize that yo I wasn't at fault for this traumatic experience yeah and so I don't long I don't have to I don't have to live in this space to where this thing is hanging over me right I I I am now able to recognize what it is, but I can pack my shit and I can leave. I can move from that residence of my past and only use it as a reference, not a residence.
0: Hey, well, we hope that um, you as our listeners got something out of this uh, conversation that we've had today. Um, Training wheels and trauma, trauma and training wheels. Either way, you need to have some training behind you to get through your traumas. Mm-hmm. And that requires effort, that requires work. And oftentimes the the work and the effort is not a it's not an easy road. Nine times out of ten, it's an uphill battle. Um however we do feel like in you know in the spirit of of mental health awareness month and just in the spirit of you know wanting to provide some some tools to the people that we care about most, um, we hope that uh you take a step during this month to uh you know figure out how you can uh, build up your 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 mental strength and if you are hurting and 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 seeking help that there, are guide, there 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 organizations out there to assist whether it be mental health america or hell reaching out to us on social media at grgrljkev um uh, checking out our website uh, we we'll, we will post. We have a we have a resource sheet that we normally post about once a quarter. We'll post that again as far as uh, organizations and hotline numbers that you can reach out to if you uh, need someone to talk to and, and, and to help build your vocabulary and talk it out and um, tr- help you find the strength in the feelings that you're, you're currently having. Man, we just appreciate you. And then if you are if you if you do need help, ask for it. Please ask for it. Please ask for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Any final thoughts, brother Jay?
1: No, man. Just know that uh, you know this is a marathon, and it's it's not given to the person that uh, gets there to the finish line first, but the one that endures to the end. And so, um, do what you can so that we can keep running this marathon together until the race is called.
0: On that note, this has been another edition of the Gang Recognized Gang podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV. That's RLJ. And we are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution. And so until next time, be well. Be safe. Be inside.
1: Be inside.
0: Be inside because the stay-at-home order is still in full effect.
1: Be inside. No matter if your states are starting to open, be inside.
0: We're not trying house. to hear that shit.
1: We're <laughs> not trying to hear that
0: shit, man. Well, I get it. I know, like, this weekend, the, the weather's going to be about 77 degrees. I ain't trying to see y'all at the harbor, man. Right. I'm trying to see y'all at the harbor, at the wharf, or, you know, at one of the parks or, or whatever. I'm not trying to see y'all at no brunches <laughs> no lunches. Mm. No happy hours in the physical capacity. Stay inside.
1: Stay your ass and home.
0: Hey, but also be light, man. Be light.
1: Be light. Till next time. Yep.